Hour number three, Darren, Donnick, and Chase on this Monday afternoon. Everybody's had a good day to this point. Darren McFarland, Willie Donnick, Chase McCabe, Max Hers behind the glass. We now head east where it's an hour later than us. Vince Ferrara, WNML, the sports animal there in Knoxville, who is back from Gainesville, is back from Tampa. He is back in the mix and doing a little MMA. Vinny, how you doing? I'm good. Uh, hope you guys are well. Missed you last week, but had a good reason to, uh, you know, uh, take a, a week off. So, And just for the record, you were planning on doing that no matter the outcome. It would have been easy to say after what happened on Saturday down there. You just <laughs> said, you know what, I'll peace out. I'll, I'll see you when I get back. <laughs> yes, the pre-planned it had nothing to do with the results. I mean, obviously, there's with this team and this program – you you guys know there is always something to talk about regardless of wins, losses, or even if it's in football season or not. What is it like in your market right now with the fan base? You know, it is, it's down. There's no doubt about it. There's lots of people that were excited about this season that had that win come out uh, of the, the sales right from the get-go with Georgia State and haven't been able to find any reason – to really get back into it and and uh, you know find uh, a something to sink their teeth into with the, this program moving forward, um, there are still fans. That there's make, make no mistake about it. There are still fans that are eternal optimists that that are root on the team that don't need to get on social media or call sports talk shows and express their disdain for the way Jeremy Pruitt drinks water at a press conference or <laughs> if he wears sweatshirts after a, you know, a hot practice or, you know, just people are, there's some that want to do that and there's others that are just quiet, go to the games and support them. So there's plenty of those, but I think even those people are, are clearly disappointed at where they've gone. They'll still support their team, um, but they're, they just don't, don't understand why they're, um, you know, so still have such a long way to go to get back to relevancy. It's just a kind of all over the place as typical. I think what's probably tough and very trying right now for a lot of the fan base is through 16 games, the, the, the losses, they're not even really competitive. And that that's probably where the real problem lies, right? I mean, they've had some really – Really lopsided losses. At least you would like, and it's not like close games feel a whole lot better. They really don't. Close losses, whether it's overtime or you know, uh, you know, a crazy finish like they've had against Florida over the last couple of years, right? Where they, you know, they get the they complete the bomb that goes for a touchdown, and those don't feel much better. But at least you felt like your team is competing and is in the game and had a chance to win it. It didn't happen, but. Man, some of these losses where you don't even feel like they even had a chance, to me that's probably where the real sticking point is. I think so. The Jeremy Pruitt era has a record of 6-10. and 10. That you, you are what your record says you are. That's how you're judged. Coaches know it. And so after a 5-7 and seven year last year, 1-3 and three this year, even Pruitt was asked about you know, his, how he evaluates his coaching staff. He's like, well... The ultimate judge is our record, and we're one and three. We all got to do a better job, and so you're going to be you're going to have a lot of criticism. I mean, six and ten, and with 
you look at all the losses last year and this year, and that's seven of them by 25 points or more. That's that's pretty devastating. Florida, Georgia, Alabama, um, Missouri, Vanderbilt, all last year, and then obviously Florida this year. Um, and then West Virginia is another one that more than 25 points. So, you know, it's just it's two and seven in the SEC. It's six and ten overall during the Pruitt era. It's been bad for a while, though. You can go back to, you know, really, I think the the south direction of this program dates back to Tennessee at Vanderbilt, the end of 2016, where Tennessee had an opportunity to go to the Sugar Bowl. Uh, with a win and was horrific defensively, and Vandy went up and down the field as people there in the mid-state know. And you know they won the bowl game afterwards, whatever. Um, and then obviously went on to a horrible year in in 2017, winless in the SEC, and then last year two and six in the SEC, and then you know mismatched in the first SEC game. Now, guys, that's two and sixteen in their last 18 SEC games, 2-16. and 16. Ouch. And, and many of those not even competitive in any of those SEC games. That's just, that's, that is, I, I, my guess, I haven't done all the SEC, my guess is that's worst in the entire conference during that 18-game stretch. He's had a different coordinator every year, but he gets a year older with obviously every year. They went out and got a high price coordinator in Cheney. Why does it look like Garantano is going the wrong direction? Well, that's a million-dollar question. There's no doubt about it that there was more expected from Garantano. Uh, you know, he, had, he was talking before the year that he had the desire to be the best quarterback in the country. And I, I don't even doubt that he had that dream and desire to do so, I think he puts in the work, but I don't know if all of the extra responsibility that they've given him has tied his mind up to where he can't let it loose and be uh, a quarterback that is efficient and makes quick decisions. I mean, uh, it looks like everything has uh, has now his everything in his delivery has slowed down, just making decisions late staring down receivers, missing open receivers. He's not getting some breaks, too. I mean, that Jawan Jennings, you know, missed throw that was popped in the air that was intercepted against Florida when Tennessee's driving you know, early in that ball game. That, who knows what happens after that. But, you know, so he's not getting help. Obviously, his offensive line is a factor, too. But they're, with all of the coaching around him, Jim Shaney, Chris Winkie, and then Team Martin, and him being in his fourth year in the program, the results just have to be better than that. He's seven and fifteen as a starter at Tennessee. He's only two and twelve in the SEC as a starter, and five and three against non-conference. He's only thrown for 156 yards per game in SEC play. Can't win that way. Mm. And it's not like they have a dominant run game to balance it out. You you only throw in today's college football for 156 yards per game over multiple years. It just and your defense gives up 40 plus almost every SEC game or or half of them. It's just that's why you get the mismatches. I, I, I 
to answer your question, Darren, uh, it is surprising to me that they haven't gotten more out of the passing game, whether it's Garantano or there's other reasons for it. It's it's just not good enough. And one thing that Jeremy Pruitt did mention today in this press conference is they have been working on trying to get the ball to their playmakers more often, those wide receivers, because Callaway has been quiet. Jennings has had the most targets. Palmer was supposed to have a breakout year, according to many. Uh, just they, They've got to find ways to do it, and maybe the short passing game might be the way to do it. I don't know that Georgia's the, the team, though, to, to try to start to do that because – they pre- they play like Florida. They play press man, and they're aggressive, and they're fast and physical. I uh, just don't know how successful you're going to be with it. But they they got to try what they you know whatever they can. Different. More with Vince Ferrara on the other side from the sports animal there in Knoxville. By the way, I had a buddy of mine send me. I told you, Willie. I know I saw where it was more than that. Sent me a message and said he was working the Vanderbilt game on Saturday and said that Vandy officials told him around 2 o'clock it was 137 degrees on the field. 137 in black unis. Yikes. Mm. So started at 127, rose said to around 2 o'clock it yeah. was 137 degrees on the field. Man. More with Vince Ferrar on the other side of Darren Donick and Chase. Well, things should get easier for Tennessee this week. It's <laughs> Jaja. On their mind. The Bulldogs come to town. And the question is, as we saw at the end of August here in Nashville, is Tennessee Stadium, is Neyland Stadium going to look like what it looked like over on West End, the game that Chase and I were at? I admitted on the show on Monday or Tuesday, because it was Labor Day weekend, that I had never seen Vanderbilt Stadium about 90% the opposition. It was eighty somewhere between eighty five and ninety yeah. percent. Well, now it won't be like that, but but it's all relative, right? The, we see the extreme with what Vanderbilt, the layout, what's happening there. Remember so Vince, what Georgia did to to Notre Dame two years ago, right. right? We didn't think that was possible in South Bend. So Vince, we know the dynamic, right? He, he, like I I use Florida as an example. Their game against Towson, there was there was it's as empty as I've ever seen that stadium when Florida is good, right? Florida is a top ten team. But with the circumstances. So, that all that being said, you've got Georgia on a high right now. Their fans are just hungry as heck. I mean, is there anything they're going to do to stop it? I mean, it, it's just going to happen, right? There there will be a ton of, of Georgia fans there. ton of Georgia fans, yes. But apparently there's a push and they're trying to organize to checker Nealon in red and black. Now... Jeremy Pruitt was asked about that today, and he said he doesn't believe that there's any way that they would be able to, to that, that that would happen. Uh, he said, yeah, I have a hard time believing that would happen. I, I don't see how you organize that. There's going to be so many people getting late tickets and, you know, tickets late in the week and, and outside the stadium and stuff like that from Tennessee fans. But, man, just just the, the fact that they have – the feeling that they could pull something like that off tells you that they know that their ticket's available. And it's happened before. I mean, the last time Georgia was here, that was one of the undoings of uh, that raised a level of criticism for Butch Jones when you know, Georgia was blown out Tennessee and Tennessee fans left, and it was, it was left to them, similar to, 
kind of what you saw throughout against uh, Vandy there in Nashville. I, I, I think it could very well be a blowout, and then their fans are the ones that are left in the second half, and it's obviously going to be a very ugly look. Now, will it be 40,000 like they brought to Notre Dame or you know, Nashville having most of the crowd there? I don't know if it'll be that, but look, from the get-go, there's going to be twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 tickets, I think, available to begin with before you start even getting them from last minute Vol fans that are willing to give them up. I, you know, I don't know about forty, but I think they will have a lot of fans in the house on Saturday. I mentioned Florida. I think we're all trying to get a gauge on this, Vince, because we didn't get a chance to talk to you last week. Florida's about to go through a, a real rough stretch of games, and you know, just doing the math, the SEC, all these undefeated teams are in the top ten. Not all will stay in there. Is Florida as good as the other teams that are vying for that? top 10 staying contention type of thing? I don't think so. I think their inability to run the football will be an issue that will prevent them from winning in big games like this coming Saturday against Auburn. Um, I, I think at times they go away from the run game. They don't even try at times enough, in my opinion. And a lot of, a lot of people and talking to guys that, that cover the Gators on a daily basis – you just go away from the run game uh, at times for whatever reason. They did it with Franks, and they're doing it now with Kyle Trask. I think, I think Kyle Trask was a, a positive for them because now he's a steadying hand. He's been kind of like what Kyle Allen, another Kyle, has done to the Carolina Panthers in, in place of Cam Newton. You know, they don't have the up and down now. They're just kind of there, and, and now you have opportunities to be consistent and Guys know they have a chance to get the football, and, and so I think it's helped the wide receivers. Um, and he gets rid of the football quick, too, so it helps mask a little bit of their the offensive line issues. So I think that's been a positive for them, but they don't have depth on defense. We didn't really see them with a couple of their starters, but they don't have a ton of depth. I think they're very good. I don't think they're at the level of the Auburns, the LSUs, the Georgias, I think they're they're a, a notch below those kind of teams. But Mullen gets the most of what he's got, and he finds a way to 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 get to make things happen. And they get turnovers too. As much as Jeremy Pruitt laments not getting turnovers, Florida minus starters, not a ton of depth, look like they're about to to get scored on or whatever. Find a way for these things to happen. And Mullen just seems to get the most out of what he's got to work with. So uh, very good, but not on the level of those other teams. We're talking to Vince Ferrara from WNML, the sports animal in Knoxville. And, and Vince, uh, with Georgia coming to town, Jim Chaney, of course, a lot of familiarity there, being their former offensive coordinator. Does having him on the staff, will that help the Vols at least be somewhat competitive and hang around in this one? Well, they they certainly need a lot of things to go their way to be competitive, Chase. I think it cancels itself out, right? You know, there's familiarity. Jim Cheney has familiarity with what Georgia's doing. Georgia has familiarity with what Tennessee's doing. Honestly, I think a lot of teams have familiarity with what Tennessee's doing in terms of their predictability. Uh, and there's just such a mismatch in dudes on this team, on these two teams that – 
you know, if that, that that's not a good thing for Tennessee when you have you can't get a coaching advantage out of Jim Chaney and his familiarity with Georgia and a number of other guys that are familiar with what they do, including Jeremy Pruitt. One, the Georgia knows them, and then two, there's just such a mismatch in terms of players. And Pruitt was kind of asked about that today, and without saying they have. You know, they have a lot of great players, and we don't have that yet. <laughs> I kind of got the sense that that's what, what Pruitt meant. He didn't say that, but that's kind of how I interpret it. Uh, I, I just think it's such a talent mismatch, and both sides know each other. I, I don't think it, it will make a big difference in the game, but they certainly need to find a way to keep it close to, to give fans some hope for some of the lesser teams down the road. What do you need to see over the next four weeks in a really tough schedule? We know Georgia, we know Alabama and where they rank. Mississippi State won't be easy, and neither will South Carolina. So what do you need to see out of this football team to give you any little bit of hope that they're starting to get better and trend in the right direction? Well, stabilizing quarterback play. You know, Pruitt harped on it constantly today. The turnovers, they're, they're just not good enough to turn the ball over. They don't have, They also aren't good enough to have some of their best players like Jennings and Trey Smith and Daniel Batuli have dumb personal foul penalties that keep teams on the field and making those making mistakes and then drops in the in the end zone would be touchdowns. Or, just not good enough. They don't have enough a margin of error to overcome some of their better players making some mistakes. So stabilizing the so not turning the ball over and winning the turnover margin is one thing that'll give them some sort of chance. They also haven't been able to get turnovers, and that's how you see teams that maybe are having opponents move up and down the field on them, and then they can get a clutch turnover and change things completely. That's what Florida does. Florida's not this dominant outfit that doesn't give up yards, can't move the football on. Sometimes they do give up plays and tries, but then they just find a way to to escape out of it with a turnover. Tennessee doesn't have that, hasn't been able to do that. If that can change, that will help them. Mention the quarterback play. Just, you know, they I, I just need to be more solid at least. Um, they got to get the ground game going too. I, and that's going to be tough against Georgia for sure. They haven't even given up a rushing touchdown all year. Tennessee has two rushing touchdowns by running backs this year. They have three. One of them is Maurer in the UTC game. That's it. It's just haven't been able, even though the O-line has been better in pass protection, just haven't been able to run the football. So I think even though you won't see the results, Chase, in your question, I think in this Georgia or Alabama game, I think if you see them do some things and improve against Mississippi State, against South Carolina, UAB, I think maybe some fans will at least have some hope down the stretch. But I think some of those are some of the, the bigger things that, that they need to improve. There's obviously a lot of things, but, um, you know, Tennessee, that, even that UAB game against FBS teams the last couple of years, and they beat UMass by four. They beat Southern Miss by 14, beat UTEP by 24, but that was an ugly game. They beat Charlotte by just 11. They lost to Georgia State. So I, I don't know that you can assume that UAB game either. Um, and then one other thing to your question, Chase, if they're if they move the ball and at least show some sort of competitiveness against Georgia and Alabama and don't get run out of the the house, run out of the gym again, I think that could give fans some a little bit of hope. 
And Pruitt was asked about him being emotional after the Georgia game last year. I mean, they, the score was lopsided in the end. They were, you know, they were fighting in that second half and trying to come back. He thought that was the first time they gave effort, but I mean, it really didn't result in a whole lot after after that in the long run. So, you know, I I don't know how much you can make out of you know playing a high level competition. Uh, somewhat tough in a game it, for Jimmy Pruitt at this point. You got you got to get dub, you got to get dubs. You know, moral victories aren't going to help him or his tenure uh, in the in the long run. No doubt about it. Thanks for the visit. As always, have a great week. All right, guys, you do the same. Appreciate it. Vince Ferrara, Sports Animal, WNML in Knoxville. They'll be under the lights at Neyland Saturday night, a six o'clock Central kickoff. Tennessee and Georgia. That game aired on ESPN. We'll come back. We'll check in with Titans head coach Mike Vrabel next. All right, let's head over to St. Thomas Sports Park. Titans head coach Mike Vrabel after the big win in Atlanta against the Falcons. Based on the, the score of the football game, so that was great to see. What changes from first half to second half offensively there for you? And is it uh, you know, I think that it's sometimes, uh, you know, you want to be as conscious as you can of the the situation and we want to still stay aggressive and you know give them credit they they made some good plays and we got off to a great start you know and then it just um we weren't able to complete the first drive after after the half um you know we got an amazing performance and an all pro performance from from brett um our defense played very well so um just through the flow of the game i think that you kind of understand if we can take care of the football and and continue to, to force them to throw the football. We can pressure the quarterback, and and hopefully we can get some turnovers in those opportunities. Mike, what is the value of a game like that from Brett? It's just it's um, it's a weapon. You know, it continues to be a weapon to be able to you know even there late in the game and you know, go out there and in in one step it with a ten man rush and, and put it down there on a two yard line and have Sims be able to execute a a play that we work in practice and, and bleed a few more seconds off the clock. Um, you know, I just can't say enough about, you know, his consistency. What's the um, uh, advantage you think of, of the guard rotation that you used? And, and uh, you know, is that something you want to continue or, or would you prefer ideally to have just the one? Well, I think what it allowed us yesterday was to evaluate um, Nate in his first game. And I think that that was – you know, just something that I wanted, and we all wanted to make sure that you know that was trending in the right direction. You know, I just don't want to. You know, I having been out there in my first NFL game, and everybody that's gone through it. Um, you know, we're we're really pleased on where Nate's come, but you know, when it's your first game and you play 39 snaps in it, you just want to make sure that that's going okay, and that that's why we rotated and. You know, both those guys played well, and you know I would say that we're going to continue to try to get Nate in there and get him some work and get him going. What showed up most about his game? He played well. Is he, how do you do? Run, maybe pass, flow. Uh, you know, I just very composed. I mean, we used him in a silent cadence and him controlling the, the the tap to Ben, and you know, thought he got to the second level. I thought he finished. I thought he got on guys, even if it wasn't always the right guy. Sometimes it's not. But, uh, you know, there were times where he was matched up with, with Jared, and, 
stepped out there, punched him. I thought he recovered well. I mean, there were times where, you know, something I saw them working on last week, an individual where, you know, they're replacing their hands on that, that Monday practice. Some of you guys might have been down there, and Sully was working on a bull rush, and, you know, Teron was down Whoever was down there, there was a couple guys were watching, and they are working on a bull rush and replacing their hands and sitting down, and sure enough, it showed up on tape. So, um at least something that we did from that one practice showed up in the game and it helped Nate and some of those other guys with the with a speed to power rush. So that's was something a, that's sustainable to be able to rotate Nate in like that in the live game reps? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're going to try to get him as many reps as we possibly can and, uh, you know, keep moving forward and trying to, you know, get the uh, the best combination that helps the, the football team. Was it a handshake with Taylor, an embrace, nothing? Uh, he demanded a, a hug, and uh, it was a quick, uh, quick one. But you know, we're we're back in in business, and he's back ready to work and help the team. And um, we we got to get him ready to play. What do you say to Dennis at this point, and what do you think of the work he did? Um, you know, Dennis is gonna, you know, go back over and beat a, you know, compete at the right tackle spot like he did. Um, in the off season, and um, but Dennis, you know, stepped in there and did a did a heck of a job and competed. Um, you know, he was put into a tough spot having to switch over uh, full time over there. Um, you know, that's something that we we appreciate everything that Dennis does for us. How much can Taylor's reemergence change you guys up front now? Well, I mean, we think that uh, you know Taylor's job is to block his guy and. Um, we, we have to make sure that he's ready to go. Um, I'm sure he's in condition. I know he's in condition, but getting him ready in, in game condition and, and fundamentals and all those things that we've been working on, uh, that's where our focus is right now is just trying to, to get him ready and, and focus on the bills. you think the, the practice week is, is especially important for him just in terms of meshing with, with Roger? Well, I think practice is important for everybody. Um, so... You know, Taylor will be one of those guys that practice is important for, and you know the communication with him and the tight ends and and, and Roger and you know the rest of the guys and just you know, hearing a snap count and, and being able to, to to function as as a unit. Said after the game yesterday, he said that drop that he had early. He said the old Corey said that would have gotten to me, but not so much anymore. What do you what do you take from that about about Corey's progression? Um, you, you know, there, there's, it's not going to be perfect. I could continue to tell that to those guys. And, you know, line did a great job. The quarterback did a great job. And the receiver made a mistake. And uh, we moved on. And we, we caught and a lot of passes after that and a lot of productive plays. And that's what you have to do in this league and understand that there's more opportunities that are going to come your way. Quarterback, trust him, executed a great throw, timing throw, threw it out there. <clears throat> Corey got his head around. <clears throat> broke a tackle and scored a huge touchdown. It seemed like a Dory played with a little bit more of an edge, yeah. starting from that uh, PBU against uh, Ridley. Did, did you notice that as well? Yeah, I think so. You know, just, just more aggressive and just more on body. And, um, you know, that was good to see. That's that's what you hope for in this league is that, you know, when there's things you don't like, that, that players and everybody um, does everything they can to, to get it corrected. You said in Jacksonville – when you were praising Marcus's second half fight that not everybody showed 
the same fight. The, the biggest change that we saw was Finch not playing. Did that have anything to do with what he said in Jacksonville? No. None whatsoever. What a starter going to the bench is a relatively big change. You said yesterday just coach's decision. Might you expound? Coach's decision. I mean, we can only get 46 to the game. Um, so really I, to tie in whatever you try to tie in with Jacksonville and Finch, um, you know, that there, there really was no correlation. It's just you can get – how do you get four outside linebackers to the game? Um, you know, again, I made the decision to get eight offensive linemen to the game for – you know, kind of the reasons that we touched on, and that's probably in and of itself pretty unique um, to get eight offensive linemen. But you know, we felt like, again, with it being Nate's first game uh, since the Senior Bowl, that it was just you have to make decisions somewhere, and you know, they, that's kind of what we did. What did you think of what you got from Gilbert? Um, you know, he had some good rushes and, and, and set the edge a few times, and. You know, we'll evaluate what it what it looks like and how many guys we get there um, at that position this week. How much do you like what your offense has done with the lead in terms of <clears throat> running the ball and keeping the clock moving? Yeah, I think that's where Derek and kind of the running game has really showed up. Is um, you know, it, it didn't we didn't completely run it out, but five minutes forty six seconds and you know running the ball hard and breaking off a couple runs that. Those ones that are crucial are the first and ten, gain five yards, second and five, gain five yards uh, for a first down. Those, those are, you know, when they know you're running it, to be able to do that. I thought DJ's play, when we flipped it to him, was um, was a great job of the, the coaches um, calling a great play and the players um, executing it. You know, DJ doesn't get a lot of publicity. But we, as a coaching staff and as a team, trust him um, to do his job. We trust him to return kicks. Um, and so in that instance, we felt like we trusted him to, to execute the timing of it, to catch the flip, and, and the tight ends did a great job. And that was a, it was a huge first down for us. Where have you seen A.J. maybe make his greatest strides since he became a full-time practice participant? And is, his, does he have more confidence than a lot of rookies that you see coming into the locker room? Um. He's caught a lot of, uh, you know, he's caught a lot of passes in the SEC. Um, I think that, um, y- you know, maybe some of his work down the field, you know, has improved. Um, he's got really good body control, um, you know, for a big guy when the ball's in the air. You know, being able to, to, you know, not miss time his jump or miss time the ball in the air, and just, you know, I like the way he catches it. He uses his hands. And it was good to see him, you know, not run out of gas, you know, yesterday. You still feel good about house money as opposed to three-score lead? Um, no, I think that if, you know, given the opportunity, I think probably um, the, the proper decision, uh, not knowing if you're going to get it, is to, you know, go up three scores. I mean, that's, you know. That's that's how it goes, you know. You make a decision that's that's decisive, and again, I thought I always think we're going to get it when we go for it, and you know, that, 
if I get the chance to do it again, like like all everybody else, um, you know, just be better and, and you know go up three scores and you know, just want to try to put the game away. Is that something that you can you can talk with the OC about, or or do you just make that decision in the kind of the heat of the moment, or how does that? No, we talk as you know. Once once Arthur makes the next the, the play call, I mean the conversation is, where do we want to go with the next one, and you know what do we want to do? And so, you know, in that particular instance, it's you know, hey, we're gonna if we get down there close enough, we're, we're you know, I know what plays we we have in short yardage, and you know, do we feel good about it? But um, I don't think that there was any any panic. I don't think it was like late to get it. You know. So those are the decisions that, that we make through the course of the game. And, um, you know, defense did a heck of a job. And, um, you know, there were a lot of really good play calls in that decision. You know, that was the one that, that I made. And, you know, that's, that's where we're at. Uh, you've talked about kind of learning each step of the way from maybe pre- previous coaches you've been with. Where does that trait come from to be a little bit of a – I don't know if it's a gambler, but you've been aggressive, uh, you know, since you started here. Um, I I don't know, I man. Just I, I I really don't. I just you know you try to to look and see, you know, how things are going, what the flow of the game is, um, what might give you you know the best chance to to win, and um, you know. Trying to study it each and every week and try to play out the game, you know, in your mind and, and what you would do in certain situations. You get a roster exemption here for a couple of days. Um, I, I do believe we do. How long? Maybe till Friday even. I don't, Robbie. Can you get it? I don't know. I, I really don't. I know that there's a few days that you get an exemption, but I, I couldn't tell you how long that is. How's Cam? Cam. Wake. Wake. Um, you know, seeing the trainer, and you know, we'll evaluate him here when we get back out on the practice field on Wednesday. Was it, did you guys have an idea going in that you wanted to to get him some more snaps, or is that just kind of the way the game plays out? I, I get asked this question every week. I'm not sure if you ask it every week, but it gets asked. That's just kind of how it played out, and if you know, the defensive staff kind of recognizes the situation and can kind of get him in there, and then you know. They threw it 50 sometimes, so I just hope he was out there some. What have you seen? Maybe some of the work you've done on Buffalo already and the fact that there's some questions around the quarterback situation. This is a well-coached, physical football team and uh, a very good defense. Um, Brown and and, and Beasley, productive wide receivers. Um, You know, Frank Gorse never ceases to amaze um, anyone with his ability, his production, uh, his durability. And, um, you know, again, it's going to be a heck of a challenge. This is, a, again, well-coached, a physical football team that um, you know, isn't afraid to, to slug it out with you. Chris Milton seemed to really give you a jolt early on special teams. That's exactly why he's here, I'm imagining. Sure, you know, that's his role, and he understands it. He's very good at it. Um, they chose to single him up, and again, got a great punt into the into the boundary. Um, he ran a long way, made an open field tackle, great tackle, um, kickoff, you know, 
didn't stop running, avoided, and again, made a great open field uh, tackle inside the 15 yard line. So uh, that was great to see. I thought he fought. I thought he competed and uh, had one, uh, you know, I think let the, the emotions and the, and the moment uh, get to him. You know, I'm sure somebody said some things are said all the time. And, you know, it was probably someone from their bench, obviously, the way he walked over there and, then, you know, took his helmet off. And you know, we have to we have to be able to compete and play fast and aggressive and, and not, you know, you know, have have those those lapses in judgment. You know that ultimately cost the team. But I thought he competed. I thought he did a great job. Um, you know, four catches for 50 yards for Julio is, um, you know, pretty much the recipe for for success against uh, you know the Falcons at least yesterday. What do you think of Alex Mack's personal foul on Vicaro? Uh, uh, yeah. I won't comment on their fouls. we got plenty of penalties to worry about over here. What do you think of the fine on Correa for that sack in Jacksonville where he seemed to do everything he could to put Minshew down softly? Um, I, again, I think we just have to be very careful. Uh, it's, it's not how we see it. It's how the officials see it. And uh, you know, we have to do everything we can to lower our target. And uh, we continue to try to coach that. Yeah, a little oh, bit fortunate on the, on the turnover front. Um, fumbled a fair amount of time. Yeah, too many times, yeah. I mean, I think we got to take care of the football. Whether they go out of bounds or we get them back, they're still fumbles. And so that's not always going to be the case. Ball's not round. It doesn't bounce the same every time. So right now it's bouncing um, our way when we do fumble it. So, you know, we got to do a better job of taking care of it. <clears throat> after the fact that you said to Marcus, I'm looking forward to going out and watching you play. Yeah. Did you say anything like that to him before this week? I say it every week. You know what I mean? I do. You know, I said same things I would tell um, my my kids is like we, we prepared. We're, we're going to try to put you guys in the best position, and uh, and I do. I enjoy watching them all compete. I, I um, you know, try to help them throughout the game and make adjustments and talk to each each and every one of them. Um, and so, you know, I, I do notice there's not as many fired a quarterback questions this week, so I appreciate that. Do you feel like a game like that could spark him? I mean, it would be a little bit of a rug and sack a lot, uh, maybe not had the success he had yesterday. Does a game like that potentially pole vault him and just... Well, if we can continue to have good days of practice and, and build momentum throughout the week and, and understand that, that one week... Um, doesn't guarantee anything for the next week, but it's that preparation, it's studying, it's seeing how you know different defenses are going to play, and putting a plan together that that everybody is confident in, and that we can execute throughout the week. And that's how you you carry over from from one week to the next. Oh, who is it going to be, John or Paul? <laughs> You've got yeah, right. Uh, um, how much difference does uh, does Marcus being able to avoid? Some of those negative plays make, and, and I guess also where you at times where there's some concerns that maybe he was throwing it away, even as he was you know, falling down and possibly risking a turnover in those situations. Well, I, you know, the first question I think is one that says you know the, his ability to avoid it, it gives you some leeway. 
uh, with the with the pressure. I mean, that's that's hard. I mean, it's hard to rush the passer in this league. It's also it's even harder to rush a a, a moving target and one that can can get away. I think that we recognize that on defense. You know, you you got to you got to beat the guy. And then also now you got to try to find a way to to get a guy down uh, that's scrambling. So. That's that's part of his game. That's something that we're going to have to that he has to continue to use and, and be smart with it. And then, um, the, you know, the last one, you know, sometimes plays aren't great. You know, they, they pressured into something we're doing. We're trying to, you know, roll out and, you know, we can't, you know, there's some plays where you got to just say, hey, they got us and, you know, cut our losses and, and get rid of football. And, and we'd like to do that as legally as possible. Um, and then I don't think. We were able to do that every single time, but you know, that's how it goes. There you go. Titans head coach Mike Vrabel. We will come back and talk a little bit about uh, some things we heard to wrap up the third hour of Darren Donick and Chase next. No, I think that if, you know, given the opportunity, I think probably um, the, the proper decision, uh, not knowing if you're going to get it, is to, you know, go up three scores. I mean, that's, you know. That's that's how it goes, you know. You make a decision that's that's decisive, and again, I thought I always think we're going to get it when we go for it. And you know, that, if I get the chance to do it again, like like all everybody else, um, you know, just be better and, and you know go up three scores, and you know, just want to try to put the game away. This is where you would have an applause button. Do we have a hot key? Labeled applause. Yeah. A hot button labeled cheering. That's what we would hit right now. I, I know we have one. I just don't remember where I put it. <laughs> Which does not help Max. Yeah. You have to remember. It's been a while since I've sat back there. It has been. So Mike Vrabel finally admits, hey, I could do it again. I do it differently. I wonder why. He hasn't in the past, right? Is that, not, is that not the first time he's done that? Well, I don't know if it's the first time he's done that, but that's he had a chance to say that same thing last week after going for it fourth and sixth on the opening drive of the second half down 14 nothing, And he, I thought, sort of stuck to his guns on that one. I always admire a coach who can do that, who can say, I could do it over again. Maybe I make a different choice. He was reluctant to do it, but I think I, I just think it's a good thing for him to say that. Not because he's agreeing with us, but I just think he he did some self evaluation there, and he was willing to share it with uh, with the media and with the fans. But I do think, as we pointed out last week, that's been a pattern of his to be a little too much of. Not playing the percentages, right? Based on the situation. And he's got to evaluate that. There is that gung ho, I believe in my team. I am going for it. I'm rolling the dice. I'm aggressive. And there is also balancing that with the calculation of what are my chances? What's the situation? What's the right play in the game at this time? And he he said it. Going up three scores was the right thing to do there. And a field goal put you up three scores. It would have been different in a different situation. But that particular situation, just like the one last week, the percentages were not – that was not the right percentage play at the time. There we go. 
He fouled. So now the question is, next week. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what it would have sounded like if they kicked the field goal. Yeah. Does so the next uh, time, what what happens the next time? Like, well, they, they does was, he understand that not going for it doesn't mean you don't trust your players? Right. Does he understand that or like, put the game away? Well, he said, whole, "I wanted to put the I game trust away." My play- well, yeah, right. well, no, nobody said. Oh, but he said, "I always believe we can get." Well, of course you believe you're going to get it. That's right. why you go for it. But you don't always get but it. That doesn't mean you go yeah. for it. I, I'm sure the Falcons. Both times they went for it on fourth and one, they thought they were going to get it, and it wasn't a bad play either time to go for it. But they didn't get it. Sometimes you don't get it. Right. How about put your trust in the defense that has played really well that they can hold on to a three-score right. lead in the fourth quarter? It's, like what, it's the risk-reward. What do you gain? What do you not gain? When you kick a field goal from there, from the 10-yard line, that's a 90-95% success rate. Uh, and it puts you up least, by 17 yeah, points. 95%. Right? Going four on fourth and one, you, you like your chances of Derrick Henry getting a yard, but it's not 90%, right? Maybe. Maybe it's still pretty good. Maybe it's seventy five percent, but just take. But you're you leaving take points the off the three, board. right? You just take the three. What was that? A twenty eight yard field goal? You can what would get it. Thirty and, and the other part, the other part of the percentages, right? Is okay. You get a yard and you get first down. It still doesn't mean you're going to score yeah. a touchdown on that drive. You you might end up having to kick the field goal anyway. I would love to ask him just kind of hit the process for him of because we you brought this up, Darren of. He thinks like a player sometimes because he played at such a high level for so long. But the process for him of, of transitioning that into into a coach, because I think he looks at some of these fourth down situations more as a player than he does as a coach, and it's it's bit him. Now, I go back to last year when they went for it, um, you know, went for the, the two-point to win the game, something like that against L.A. I, I didn't really have a problem with it. Go ahead, try and get the win. But then there's certain situations like yesterday that he's going for it and I'm sitting there scratching my head going, that's that's a little too aggressive. That's where you have to find the balance. I'll just keep consistent with what I've been saying the whole time. It was cute at first. It's not cute anymore. Be the head coach. You, you, you mm-hmm. wanted to make that very clear when you first got here. You were the head coach. You were worried about signs and you know people, what they see at practice. And you were doing head coaching stuff and you were worried about, okay, then be a head coach. Okay, your your playing days are gone. They were fanta- You had a fantastic career. You're the head coach, so act like a coach. Every player will tell you, current or former, former, uh, form, former. Why former. why do I have a hard time? Former Afanasiev. They would <laughs> <laughs> very d- nicely done. Uh, that they would t- former. That they would tell Absolute. you. <laughs> Look, four hours live radio. You will have some some options. Get some options. You will have options. You will have whatever I just said. I don't even know. Get into that. What option. was I even say? Firmer. By the firmer. way, download the game in Nashville. Firmer? For, for sure, for <laughs> sure. But you, you can't think like a, a player. They're all tell oh, yeah. you. All the players will tell you. You always well, go for it, right, coach? We can get it. Go for it. Of course, they all do that. But let's also let's also make this point. I think there's a lot of really good things he's doing with his mentality, but every coach who is – and he was sort of asked this in, in terms of Nate Davis, right? Nate Davis, mm-hmm. he was asked to evaluate him, and he, he was taking himself back to his first game. There's a, He's still relatively new at being a head coach, and so self-evaluation is important. And so hopefully this is something he continues to, to improve on, working on his weaknesses or things that he thinks he can do better. But I think he's got a lot of attributes as a head coach as well. 
Yeah, it's not. It's not about yeah. the full body of work. It's exactly. just about saying this particular this area is this an area. area that we've has seen a been, pattern. He struggled. It needs to be addressed. He struggled yes. mightily. Let's just be honest. He struggled mightily, and and maybe this is the first step today. Admitting, right? They always say the first step is admitting. Yeah, that you've made a mistake, and I I tweeted out. I was glad to hear him admit that. Now, don't do it again. <laughs> Max is. I don't know. Doing some arm curls back there or saying we need to break. We'll come back. Fourth and final hour of Monday's edition of Darren, Donick, and Chase next.